I'm so grateful for the Word of God, and the book of Psalms is a great place to go for uh, places of rejoicing, but it's not just the book of Psalms, is it? It's Ephesians, and it's other places in the Scriptures of Philippians as well. As we learn to rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. May that be our desire this week. Well, we're going to be in Psalms 23 in just a moment. We have been praying. I just want to read this thank you card. It's great to see Sister Carol here with us tonight. Uh, we have been praying fervently for, I guess, about three years for Little Whitney. And uh, our hearts are, are just so burdened for her. And we just, I want to thank you. She, Whitney writes a thank you note, and Carol does too. Let me read these for you. Whitney says this, Thank you so much for all the prayers for me and the cars, cards that you, she likes cars too, uh, the cards that you sent me. These have been, uh, there have been many times when I was really down and then a card came and really encouraged me and helped to put a smile on my face. I love you and miss you, Whitney. And then uh, Sister Carol writes, Dear Hillside Church family, thank you so much for loving on us for such an extended period of time. We are so blessed to have such a loving church family that really prays for us and obeys the Holy Spirit's promptings. Many times the Lord has shown us that He has not forgotten us by the cards or texts from His people that lift us up and encourage us. God is good. We have so many blessings. God bless you all and uh, and count your many blessings, love in Christ, Carol Box and family. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Sister Carol, for sharing that tonight. Psalms 23, if you have there, would you stand with me? Let's read this together, this psalm. This mini-series has turned into a little bit longer. My son got a kick out of that last week. Uh, and so he said, Dad, me and Cooper were laughing pretty hard that you said it had been like six months and on six verses. I said, I, well, it's not entirely uh, the fact that I've had that many messages. We have taken breaks off and on, but uh, we're grateful we're almost to the finish line. Amen? And so we're there. But tonight is so appropriate that we would read this last portion. Let's look at the very first verse. Let's read it aloud together and begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over." Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And God's people said, let's pray. Father, thank you for this glorious scripture. Lord, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we are blessed. So thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to read out of Psalms 23, to hear these verses that bring encouragement and thanksgiving to our lips. We thank you for uh, just your many blessings on us tonight as we read this last uh, verse. Surely goodness and mercy hath followed me all the days of my life. Lord, what an encouraging thought this evening. And may you help us to be able to count our many blessings and name them one by one. May we leave here with, in a spirit of gratitude and humility, knowing that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And so we thank you. We praise you. Would you turn our hearts toward you in Christ's name? Amen. Would you maybe be seated, please? 
As we look here in the scripture tonight, we are reminded of uh, just all that we've experienced so far in Psalms 23. And I tell you, throughout the study of this psalm, we have seen that God puts a continuous emphasis on the care and concern of each of us as his sheep. I'm thankful that God loves us. Amen? I'm thankful that we can see that tangibly in our life. Sometimes God uh, loves us in such a way that we can, we can touch or uh, feel or, or we can experience it. Sometimes He loves us with a no. Amen? That's not always the way we want, but we can always see that God loves us even in the no's. And as we see all of this, I believe it's all summed up here in verse number 6. As we come to the end of this, this uh, uh, little chapter, in verse 6 it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He says, listen, a, a real shepherd that cares for his sheep is someone who's going to provide for them, is someone who's going to walk with them, is someone who's going to lead them, is someone who's going to care for them, going to anoint their head with oil, is going to walk with them through the valleys, is going to lead them beside the still waters. You see, the shepherd loves us. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He sums it all up with that, with that one little statement right there. The sheep with such a shepherd knows of a surety that he has a privileged position. Think about how good God is in your life. This, this week, my dad and I, we were just recounting some memories as we got to spend some uh, time together. And we were going back through some of the things that, you know, sometimes you, you just kind of forget some things or he's got a different perspective of some things. And I was reminded of God's goodness and provision uh, for our family and His faithfulness to us and things at the time where maybe I looked at it and said, man, what is God thinking here? You ever wanted to ask God, what in the world are you doing? But on the other side of things, when you get back a little bit and you can see, you see God had your good at work in the whole matter. He was at work in all of those things. And that's as, as the... Uh, as, we see here in Psalm 23, we see that he sums it all up here at the end, and he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. No matter what comes, at least we can know and be assured that he is good and his mercy still endures. Listen, this is not just a bold statement, and, and it is a good, it is a bold statement. Say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is a, a declaration that we can say, this has been what God has done for me. And that's what this week's about. Being able to stop and say, God, we thank you for being a good and wonderful God. You know, you've led us, and when we, when we follow you, will you pour out your blessings upon us, and, and not just financially or anything like that. He pours out His blessings in so many ways. But listen, it's also a boast. Think about this. He's been able to proclaim to the world with confidence that the one who is His shepherd controls His entire well-being. He is confident in His shepherd. How many of us feel that or can proclaim that we feel this way about Christ? How many of us in this room tonight would be able to be, uh, say that I am truly convinced that no matter what occurs in my life, that I can I know that God's goodness and His mercy is at work? Well, that's my desire. By the end of, uh, the, through this, I want to remind you of God's goodness. And that's what kind of the point of the exercises we started this uh, with tonight was, is that we could go to Scripture. We could be able to recount 56 years of salvation that God used to change not just a family's life, but literally hundreds, if not thousands of other people, because one man said yes to Jesus Christ. Now, what happens, though, when life gives us difficulties? What do I say when I stand by helplessly and watch a spouse die? 
What is my reaction when my job folds up and there's no money to meet uh, to meet the bills? What happens if my children can't make their grades or they get caught in trouble? What do I say when suddenly my friends turn against me? Are we still able to say God is good? Are we still able to say that God's mercy has been with me through it? Are we still able to say that God has never ceased to be good to me? Because that's really the kind of test that God puts us in at times, is our confidence in Him, is our ability to say, God, mercy, His goodness follows me. It goes with me everywhere I go. Listen, there's been times where I've sat by the bedside of an aging saint, someone, one of our members that are uh, aching, they're godly people, people that love the Lord, but they are, they're hurting, they're, they're in pain, and they look at me and they ask me, why does God leave me here? Has God forsaken me? And I'll take them to the Scriptures and I'll remind them, listen, God has never forsaken you. Psalm 27 reminds us of God's constant presence. Psalm, Psalms 23, and then you can go to Hebrews chapter 13. You can go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Over and over and over again, Saint, let me tell you that if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you never have to fear if He's with you. He is constantly there. But you know, sometimes in those occasions, when the chips are down and life is... Uh, and life has just piled it upon you, you wonder, is God enough? And at the end of Psalms 23, as we come to the end of all of this, and we see this sheep that has just been able to testify of the faithfulness of the good shepherd, we come to all the way down to the end, and he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Yes, it has followed me, and it continues to do so. Let me look just a couple of things tonight. I want to see the goodness of from the Lord that we receive. If we look back over our lives, oftentimes it's easy, especially as we get older, to see how God works things out. You ever gone through calamities in the moment? And when we're young, everything's a calamity, right? Uh, when you're in junior high and high school, the whole world's coming to an end when that girl snobs you. You remember those days? Okay, y'all don't remember. It's been too long ago. All right. Preacher, that was last week. Listen, everything is a calamity, but when you get a little older, you get a little wiser, and you look and you see James 1, 17, and you're reminded that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And you can look and you say, look at God's faithfulness in all of these paths and all the things that God has done in my life, and we can see that God works His goodness and His, His perfect work in our life. And we look back at those what we supposed were calamities in the past, and we saw that God was working His perfect will out so that I don't have to fear I don't have to uh, be afraid because he was building my faith along the way. Sometimes through all of those things, I'm reminded that God is working to draw me closer to him. God wants me to be near him. Draw nigh to God. And what's he say? He will draw nigh to you. You see, that's God's desire. That's God's purpose in, in, this, uh, in bringing hardships and difficulties upon our life because we know that even though it seems like a blind alley and it seems like things are rough and things are black as night and we can't see the other end from where we're standing, we find that God works in all of those things and God is faithful and we can turn to Him and know that He is working in our benefit and for our well-being. Romans 8.28 reminds us of that. And oftentimes, as Christians, we come to that Scripture and we, we say, Yes, God, I... I I don't understand what's going on, but I am going to choose to trust you in all of this because I believe your scriptures, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. We can't always understand the way, 
but we can't always understand that God is at work. Remember, He is infinite. We are finite. We see from a limited point of view, His view is unlimited. He sees the beginning from the end. Amen? And Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways higher than my ways, and my, thought, uh, my thoughts than your thoughts, is what the Bible says. And so in my natural tendencies, they're to fear. My natural tendency is to worry. My natural tendency is to ask why. But listen, in all of these things, we've got to remember that God is at work. And so when next time you're, you're ready to bolt or panic or flee away from His care, I will draw you back to this, that God has your best at mind, even in the hardships you face. Listen, despite my desire to doubt Him, I am thankful that He demonstrates great mercy and love towards me. His motivation in all of that is my care and my concern. You know, sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but, but I'm human. I got any other humans in here tonight? You ever doubt God? Like, God, what are you thinking? Lord, what are you, what are you doing in this situation? And, and sometimes I'll express that to the Lord, and, and then He comes back, and the Holy Spirit pricks my heart and says, don't you think I know what I'm doing? And, and I, I just, sometimes I'm like, I know you know what you're doing, but I just don't know what you're doing. And, and the control issue sometimes, how many of you like to be in control? I don't, like to, I don't like to be a passenger in a car. If I'm in the car, I want to be in the driver's seat. Not because I don't trust you, it's just that I don't trust you. you, you anybody else there with me? Well, sometimes we want to be in the driver's seat where God is concerned and we say, okay, God, if you sit over there, I'll take your directions when I feel like it. And I want to be in control of what's going on here. But God says, listen, I'm more than your co-pilot. Remember that bumper sticker? I'm more than just your co-pilot. I want to be the one that's in control of your life. Would you let go and let me? Would you trust me? There's no difficulty. There's no dilemma. There's no disaster that can descend on a life without eventual good coming out of it, out of that chaos. And so trust God above everything else. This is, when we see this, we see the goodness and mercy of the master in our life. Remember 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he, what? First loved us. Do you believe He loves you? Amen. Say that like Baptist. Do you believe He loves you? Amen. That's good. Man, let's trust Him. You ever known someone that truly loved you? They put your desires above their own. I see that in my wife all the time. And I, I think about her and I think, man, I don't know what I've done to deserve someone who loves me like she does. But I can only imagine what God's love for me must be like who loved me when I was yet a sinner, who loved me when I spat upon him and I was there to pluck out his beard and to drive the nails into his hands. That's the kind of love that God has. And he says, listen, I've got your care in mind in all of this. Trust in me. Will you trust him? But listen, that goodness of God that's poured out in our life, but it's not just the goodness of God that's poured out, but also there's goodness that... Uh, that is spread to others. Remember, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now, think about this. Continually there flows out goodness and mercy from the Lord. And, 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 and I don't deserve any of that. And, and as we look at the Lord and we see His work in our life, I'm reminded that I don't deserve His great love. I don't deserve His mercy. I don't deserve His goodness in my life. And, and uh, as He pours that out into me, I can be one of two things with that goodness and mercy. I can be like a dead sea and just hoard it to myself. 
or I can be a blessing and let just be like a river and let it flow through me into those around me. Well, I believe that, that God wants us to be like a river and let that mercy, that goodness flow through us just as God uses other people in our life. May God use each of us in the house of the Lord and beyond the walls of the church to be able to go into all the world and teach the gospel, but do so with care and love and compassion for those around us. And so think about all the care, all the work, all the watchfulness, all the skill, the concern, the self-sacrifices that are wrapped up in the shepherd's life. He loves his sheep. He cares for them. He works for them. He watches over them. He has great skill and he has concern and he really gives of himself to care for the sheep. Well, this is the same kind of thing that God wants us to demonstrate to others. Jesus Christ said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In 1 John three sixteen. hereby we perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. With all this in view, it's proper to just ask myself, should this outflow of goodness and mercy stop and stagnate in my life? Is there no way in which we can pass that along through me to to the benefit of others? And the answer, of course, is yes. There's obviously a practical and a positive aspect in which we can turn this toward others. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to see some things that portray this goodness and this this mercy of the Lord. Matter of fact, the word mercy uh, means to love others means to be affectionate toward them. And Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. He says goodness and, uh, and love and joy, those are byproducts of allowing the Lord to work in you. And so just as God's goodness and mercy can flow in my life, may goodness and mercy flow through me and follow me everywhere I go. It should be left behind me a trail uh, where others can follow and see where I've been. Think about it like this. You ever, you ever been around someone that you just love to be around them? I love to be around. There's certain people that I just enjoy being with. Man, I get around them and they're joyful people. Uh, maybe they've got a smile on their face. Maybe there's someone that is very encouraging. They've got a word uh, from the Bible they want to share with me each day. They, they just, they just want to invest in my life. Man, I enjoy being around people like that. Sometimes it's a teacher or a coach or maybe uh, a friend from church or something. But then there's those other people. You know the ones. You get around them for a while and you're like, oh, I'm so drained from being around these people. What follows you? Do you see the connection? Because I want to be that person that when I leave your presence, when I leave from being around you, that you feel encouraged. I don't want to be the person that when I leave your presence, you're like, thank the Lord the preacher's gone. Amen. I'm so glad he's out of here. Listen, what, it, what do you leave behind? You see, because it's not just about God being a blessing, not just about God filling my life full of goodness and mercy, but also may God allow us to be able to demonstrate that, that to those around us. Sheep can be some of the most beneficial or devastating life, uh, livestock on a range. You know, if they, they can ruin and they can ravage a land almost beyond any kind of remedy, because, uh, but at the, uh, on the other hand, they can also be very beneficial if they're managed properly. Think about this. Their manure is one... Sorry, that's, we're just going to talk manure tonight. It's one of the best balanced uh, uh, of any 
uh, domesticated stock. I'm trying to be really kosher here. I don't know how to do that stock and manure. But honestly, it's for good fertilizer, if I could put it like that. And they'll go down in the lowlands and they'll eat that grass and they'll bring it up on the highlands because they like this, to bed down on those highlands and they'll drop that fertilizer. Amen, y'all understand. And they'll drop that fertilizer all on the highlands and it brings that nutrients back into the highlands because oftentimes, uh, over time, that, uh, the nutrients wash down into the lowlands and so they constantly bring that in. But also, the other thing that they do is they love to eat weeds. You've got a, got a field that's overgrown, got some, uh, some stuff that you don't want in there, get you some sheep or some goats. It'll sure take care of those things. They can make a, 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 just a barren land, they can make a barren land new again. No other livestock eats such a wide variety of, of herbage. They eat weeds and desirable plants, all kinds of things. Even as we talked a couple of weeks ago, they eat the dumb things, things that'll kill them. But listen, they have the potential to leave good behind them. Everywhere they go. Matter of fact, in ancient literature, sheep were often referred to as those of golden hooves because they were regarded and esteemed so highly for their beneficial effect on the land. In other words, goodness and mercy follows the flock. Does goodness and mercy follow our flock? Does it follow after us? I mean, you see, they left behind them something worthwhile, something productive, something beautiful, something beneficial, something uh, that would bring fertility and, and a weed-free land. But what about my life? Do I leave a blessing behind me? Am I able to say that, that surely goodness and, and mercy follows me where I go? Sir Alfred Tennyson wrote in one of his uh, classic poems, the good, uh, the good men do lives after them. Many of us are exposed to those that leave a good taste. But what about you? What is your life? What is, how does your life affect those around you? Do I leave a trail of sadness, a trail of regrets, or a trail of gladness? In, 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 uh, there's oftentimes that people's, when I think about the matter of fact, I was at, looking at a picture today of Brother Ben Black. And for those who have been in the church for a while, when I say that name, what comes to your mind? Smile. His smile. What's that, brother? Ben Black all his life. Smile and laughter, suffering with joy. He was one of, our, one of our godly deacons the Lord called home in his timing, and we grieved together. And I, as I looked at that picture, and he was already in that, in that picture. He was in his wheelchair, and you'd already seen where he had lost some weight, and he was emaciated a little bit. And he had that classic Ben Black grin on his face. And I looked at that and I thought, Lord, if I just say that name to many people in our church, what comes up is surely goodness and mercy. You know, what comes up when I say your name? Do I deposit a blessing or my burden? Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good news that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Sometimes it's important to ask ourselves some simple questions. Do I leave behind peace in lives, or do I leave turmoil? Do I leave behind forgiveness or bitterness? Do I leave behind contentment or conflict? Do I leave behind flowers of joy or just frustration? Is it love or rancor? 
Some people leave such a sorry mess behind them. Wherever they go, they try to cover their tracks. But for the child of God, that should never be the shame and be the, be the case. In Africa, one of the greatest missionaries of all times, and the, one of the great, uh, was David Livingston. No matter where his footsteps took him in Africa, uh, through the bush or the plains of the great continent, there, were, there remained the impact of his love that he had for people. Natives, he, oftentimes people who couldn't even speak his language. He couldn't speak anything that they had said. But they, long years after he had gone, remembered him as the kindly, tender doctor whom goodness and mercy followed. When Christ was on this earth, we read that in Acts 10.38 that he went about doing good in just a few short years, we saw Christ's life and His testimony made a huge impact on this world. We saw this in His disciples. that they, The Bible says they turned the world upside down. He was willing to heal a woman. Think about what Christ did. He was willing to go through Samaria to visit the outcasts at the well. He was willing to heal a woman whom most would never even speak to. Uh, there was another one He was willing to, to touch whom, uh, whom the law had said, don't even touch such a woman as her. And on and on the list continues. And most of all, we read that Christ was willing to die for the ungodly. Remember Romans 5? For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you look at the life of Christ, we can be impressed that His good and His kindly acts were always commingled with mercy. And so often, though, our lives, we can be rude and harsh and vindictive toward others. But Christ demonstrated compassion. He demonstrated tenderness. Even with the most flagrant of sinners, they found forgiveness in Him. So what is my attitude toward people? Do I sit on a pedestal of my self-pride and my contempt and I, I judge others or do I get down and identify with them and I try to extend a measure of goodness and mercy? Do sinners see the compassion of Christ in me? You know, men and women who know firsthand the goodness and the mercy of God in their own lives oftentimes are willing to exhibit it. Do you remember the, the woman who was uh, at, at Christ's feet and she was... Uh, poor, and she was washing the feet of Christ with her tears. And as, as she was doing so, the Pharisees in his smugness, and he says, no, you wouldn't allow this woman, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't even allow her to touch you. What was his reply? She's been forgiven much, and she loves much. How, how much we have been forgiven how much we uh, have been entrusted with by God. Are we willing to trust Him? Are we willing to show that with those around us? This is really, when we come to this point, I, I think that as God comes to verse number 6, and, and, and we come here and we're, we've seen all of this, the sheep talking about His wonderful shepherd, and He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And He says this statement here, I'm reminded that God is pleased when we are following Him. Professional baseball has been played in America since 1875. But there was something special that happened September 14, 1990, something that has never happened before or since. Anybody know what it was? All right, some of you weren't alive then. Late in his career, Ken Griffey Sr. 
who had been a member of the World Series champions uh, with the Cincinnati Reds a year before, was signed by the Seattle Mariners. His son then, Ken Griffey Jr., was just starting his major league career. And in the first inning of a game against the Angels, Griffey Sr. hit a home run uh, to left center field, and his son followed him to the plate and hit another home run in the exact same spot. And it's the only time in history that a father and son hit a back-to-back home run. Ken Griffey Jr. said later that his father greeted him at the home plate by saying, Son, that's how you do it. I'm reminded that the Lord delights. The Lord delights in being a blessing to us. Folks, we are so blessed by God. We forget that our shepherd receives satisfaction whenever we stop and say, Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we pour out, we have so many problems. Amen. Life is full of problems and we're thankful we can cast our cares. But don't forget to bring your heart of gratitude to the Father. Would you bow your head with me tonight? Maybe tonight you're carrying some burdens. You're carrying some, some things that are weighing you down. And you say, Pastor, be honest with you. I'm just, I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed by the things that are in my life right now. Could I encourage you tonight? Give thanks. You see, in the book of Philippians, as Paul was writing to the church there, he was encouraging them how they could have the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And he says, be careful, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. May we be willing to start this week and say, Father, I have so much to thank you for. So much to say, just thank you. I'm so indebted to, to, to God for all he's done in my life. And may we take some time tonight just to thank him, to praise him, and to worship him. And so, Father, as we start this time of invitation, may it be sweet to your ears. As we, like the psalmist, confess, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. May this be an offering of praise to you. In Christ's name.